Now, before we open the scriptures, shall we briefly uh, commend the meeting to God in prayer? Our Father, as we all gather again in this manner, we are glad of the opportunity to make the gospel known. In whatever format, we are glad that in this our day, uh, still they are granting uh, men and women, boys and girls, uh, the, the, the opportunities, the golden opportunities to hear thy word and the gospel. It is still the only lifeline. It is still the only way to salvation. Telling of a Savior who came, who lived, and who died for our sins, uh, according to the scriptures, and rose again the third day, according to the same scriptures. We thank thee for the reliability of thy holy word. In a changing day, it remains unchanged. In a day of uh, unreliable information, we thank thee that still we can turn to it uh, with uh, reliant hearts, knowing that the truth of which it speaks uh, can be rested upon. We thank thee for the foundation uh, of uh, thine own inspired volume. And so we turn to it afresh in these moments. We will only have uh, a brief uh, look into uh, these divine things in the time allotted. And yet how much can be unfolded to hearts, even in a short time, even two or three words uh, driven home by the power of the Holy Spirit can affect great change in the hearts of those who are still without the Saviour. And so we pray that any who have gathered has yet not saved will lend their ear this afternoon. This is what we long for, seeking hearts and open hearts, willing to receive uh, the truth concerning their own need and concerning the way uh, to be saved. And so may we all uh, be submissive and humble in thy presence. And may some go away this evening, having received the Saviour for the first time. This is the purpose of our meeting. And to this end, we pray, asking for all the relevant help we need for the moments before us. We ask it in the precious and peerless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want to read, please, in the book of Revelation, a very brief reading in Revelation chapter 19. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, it will be brief. You'll be able to remember these few words that I'm about to read. Not very often read in meetings like this, but uh, I trust it'll be appropriate for some here for a moment. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1, the Apostle John writes, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. People in heaven. I want you to remember these Three words. I wonder if you ever thought about them before. There are many great three-word expressions in Scripture, but here's one towards the end of our Bible. You know, we can understand, at least in measure, that God is in heaven. It is, of course, his own dwelling place. You can understand as well and measure that Christ is in heaven. He who once left that eternal abode and came down to this world to live amongst us and to complete 
the great work of redemption at Calvary, through his own death. That same Savior was buried and rose again and ascended back to whence he came. He could say himself that I came from the Father and I returned to the Father. You can understand as well in measure that angels are in heaven. Those creatures created to serve God amongst the great spheres of their service is heaven itself flying to do the bidding of the eternal Godhead. But what causes me amazement this afternoon is this. Not so much that God is in heaven or Christ is in heaven or even angels are in heaven. But the wonder of all wonders is that people are in heaven. Here we read of much people in heaven. Well, you say they must be very special people, these, if they're in heaven. Well, in some ways they are special, as we'll see in a moment. But in another sense, dear friend, they're very ordinary. For they're just like you and me, at least once they were. For before they were ever in heaven, like you and me just now, they were on earth. They walked as we walked. They talked as we talked. They lived, they breathed. They loved, they mourned, they wept. They rejoiced. They were educated, at least some of them. They had jobs, they had families. In many ways, just like you and me. But those who were once on earth are now in heaven. What a change. Do you ever think about heaven? I think one of the great tenets of the gospel is just to bring before the people with a great deal of joy the reality of the place far above us called heaven, a place of glory, a place of joy, a place of rest and peace, high unlike earth. I want to ask everybody here just now, for this I suppose is a burden of my little message here in the open air. Are you going to heaven? Oh, much people are already there. But will you be there? Whenever the final assize is reached by and by and the great tally of souls is taken, will you be amongst the number who are in heaven? Would it be too simple to remind our audience, I think it wouldn't be, that there are only two places on the other side of death. And everybody here, along with all the other masses of humanity of every generation, will be either in heaven or in hell. To which place are you going? You know, one of the great special things about these people, I'm going to mention one or two here very briefly. The first great special thing about the people who are in heaven is that they are saved people. I would say that's the most fundamental thing of all. 
Nobody ever goes to heaven unless they are saved. And everybody amongst this great number whose voices are raised in praise and adoration and worship to God and His Son, every one of them knew while here on earth a definite moment when they were saved by the grace of God. Oh, they all came from different backgrounds, different families, different languages, different cultural barriers in many an instance. But every one of them have this in common, that they were all, they were all converted by God's grace. That is, there was a moment when on the sands of time their need was learned, keenly and with reality. They came to terms with their sin before God. They knew, I'll never see heaven. I'll never be in the dwelling place of God unless I have my sins forgiven. And having come to that recognition, they humbly bowed and repented of their sins. And they accepted the Savior, the Lord Jesus, for their very own and personal Savior. You know, dear friend, the way to salvation is made clear even in this book of the Revelation, in earlier chapters in this, the throngs of heaven, they attest the reality of their salvation to one source and one source alone, and that is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the anthem that is raised and sung with redeemed hearts unto the Lamb. Yes, the Lamb whose blood was shed and says the throng, thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. I want to say it, everybody here, even in the car park just now who is saved, and on the way to heaven, along with all those who are already there, every single one of us without exception owes our salvation to the precious blood of Christ. Without the Lamb, without the blood, the blood that flowed for sin, on Calvary's center cross. No one would ever be saved. But I want to say that you can be saved today. Maybe there's somebody here seeking this wonderful salvation. And just now in the confines of your own car, I want to tell you you could get it. Why? Because the blood that availed for the myriad of people already in glory avails for you, dear friend. And if you will come and accept the same remedy that they accept that you too will start on the road to everlasting joy and peace. And so they're all said, all glory to Christ, mind you. Never a trace in the revelation of people singing about their own merits or their own worth. No, all merits of their own deny and Jesus' worth alone proclaim. They're all saved. Another thing that everybody in heaven is, is sanctified. Did you ever understand that only sanctified, cleansed people ever are found in heaven? You know, it's, it's remarkable that in this book of the Revelation, we have several reminders that heaven is a holy place. Above all, we're reminded towards the beginning of the book that the God who inhabits in heaven is holy. 
In fact, three times over we get that, we get that great uh, note of, of ascribing holiness to God. Holy, holy, holy is the cry of the creatures who surround the throne. It's the thing that impresses them the most about the God in heaven, that he's holy. He's sin apart. No impurity in him. And whenever we come to the end of the book, you know what the last great description of the great community of saints is? It's described as a holy city. Yes, the holy city. And so only holy people can dwell in the holy dwelling place of God. I often think of the words of Thomas Binney as he wrote his hymn. Eternal light, eternal light, how pure the soul must be who stands within its searching sight and shrinks not but with calm delight can live and look on thee. The spirits that surround thy throne can bear the burning bliss, but that is surely theirs alone, for they have never, never known a fallen world like this. Oh, how shall I, whose native sphere is dark, whose mind is dim, before the ineffable appear, and on my naked spirit bear the uncreated beam? How is it, dear friend, that souls so unholy like ourselves found on earth could ever be in heaven? Well, again, it's only by the blood. And one of the great blessings that comes to all those who trust in Christ is that they are sanctified. All trace of guilt is removed. All trace of sin is dealt with forever. And there they stand in robes of white before the throne. No one ever will lay a charge before them again. They're saints. They're holy. They're washed. Mind you, this book says, again towards the end, that there shall in no wise enter into that city anything that defileth. Will you ever enter in the gates, dear friend? Sanctified. Their passport to that that eternal realm of fadeless day, being Christ in his blood? Or will ye be denied forever because your sins remain unwashed? Oh, they're saved, they're sanctified. Another thing these people are is secure. The people in heaven, I want to say to you today, they're absolutely secure. You know, we often dwell on those solemn words in Luke 16, as the Lord Jesus spoke of the rich man who, having rejected God in his lifetime, died and found himself in hell, terrible in the extreme. And the word of Abraham was to him that there was a great gulf fixed between where he was under the judgment of God and where Abraham was in heaven. And in one sense, that is a terrible, terrible thought. No one can ever pass from hell to heaven. But you know, on the other hand, it gives me great comfort too, because I am glad to know that just as those who find themselves in hell can never come to heaven, 
so too those who find themselves in heaven can never pass to hell. Once in glory, in glory forever, safe and secure. You know, the Augustus top lady wrote that, that famous hymn, A Debtor to Mercy Alone. And he included at the end of his little hymn words like these. He says, of those who are saved, they're more happy. Or sorry, those in heaven, they're more happy, but not more secure. The glorified spirits in heaven. What was he saying? He was saying that even those who are saved now, why they're not as happy as those who are already in heaven. They're just as secure in the hand of Christ as those who are already there. You see, dear friend, once in Christ, in Christ forever, thus the eternal covenant stands. And if you trusted your soul to him just now today, I want to say he'll never let you go in life. What a blessing it is amidst all the storms and billows that can descend upon us here on earth. Still we can know those of us who are redeemed by his blood that we are, that we are in his hand and in the Father's hand and all the demons of hell can never wrench us from his grasp. Great to know it in lifetime. Great to know it in eternity. Never will come a point in the endless ages to come when there will be one attack upon those who are sanctified and glorified above. No harm will ever reach us there. No storm cloud will ever gather on the hillsides of glory. Never, dear friend, for all are happy. All are safe on the golden shore. I wonder, see my time here. Let me read a verse or two here. Maybe I could do worse than this. Just as the sun shines for a moment upon us this Lord's Day afternoon. Let me just read without comment from chapter 7. Of those in heaven, it says, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Chapter 21 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
chapter 22 says this, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. They're secure. I was going to say they're satisfied. As I read those verses, scarce wonder they're satisfied. All the trials of earth are over. All the heartache so often we know here will be known no more again. Great thing to be in heaven. The Christians sometimes sing a, sing a little hymn and a verse goes like this. When I shall gaze upon the face of him who for me died with eyes no longer dim and praising with the everlasting hymn, I shall be satisfied. Great thing to be in heaven. Are you going? Tell me, are you going? What matters what we have on earth? What matters our house or our car? What matters the size of our bank balance? Or how many acres of ground we've, we've gathered up around us? We could have it all but miss the glory. We could have it all but arrive one day in hell. And so I appeal to every soul under the sound of my voice in Ballyclare today, as our little meeting just very shortly draws to a close. Whither bound? Look as best you can into heaven and tell me before God, are you going to it? Are you going to sing with us in the land of fadeless day where lies the city foursquare? Are you going to see the Saviour's face, the one who died for you in agonies and blood upon the shameful tree? Are you going to see loved ones gone before? Her partings will never be known again. Or will you miss it all and perish at last? They're saved. They're sanctified. They're secure. They're satisfied. I can say as well, they're serving. You know, in heaven, people aren't there just to, to coin a, a common phrase, aren't just there to enjoy themselves. Plenty to enjoy in heaven. But we're there to serve as well. We've read that. His servant shall serve him. We'll be busily engaged in the greatest service of all eternally. In the employment, the glad employment of the Saviour who has done so much for us. People in heaven. Much people in heaven. I'm not sure how many million are already there. I'm not sure how many million there will be at the close. 
But I want to tell you this. No matter how many are already there, there's plenty of room for you. Don't exclude yourself. I think sometimes people lose hope. Come and go from meetings and they think all oh, these great blessings, they're hardly for me. I tell you, at the end of this book of Revelation, and I think it's so fitting having learned so much about heaven, that the great call is issued for the final time in the page of Holy Writ. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Whosoever, there's no wider call than that. And I tell you again, there's room in heaven for all. There's room in the Savior's embrace for all. There's room in the Savior's call for all. And I think we'll close our meeting there. Just with a prayer and a longing, not only me, but all the Christians who have gathered, every burden parent here, and those who think about you so often. I wonder if there'd be some who would heed the call. Get their eyes above just the things of earth and realize there's a world that lies beyond and soon will be there. And I need to be saved of heaven. I'm never going to call home. But to realize I can be there. And there's a saviour he died for me. And if I trust him, God will save my soul just now. That's just the essence of the gospel, you know. That all who simply receive the saviour will start in the narrow way along with so many before you. And one day by and by also be amongst the people. The people. In heaven, may it be so, shall we pray. Our Father, we pray that thou was blessed this little word spoken uh, feebly in these moments. Indeed, give us vision, Father, for the eternal. We will confess that so often our eyes are affixed upon what is only uh, of a temporary nature, what is passing and of of little substance or value, certainly when measured against the realities uh, of the next word. You remember that the Saviour himself spoke of this word and the world to come. Oh God, we pray that all who have come to our drive-in meeting here today will indeed not miss heaven. What a tragedy if it were to be the case. But we do thank thee for thy grace that would allow the wretched, ruined rebels of mankind ever to fill a place in thy dwelling place. It goes beyond our best thoughts, Father. And just now we bow in adoration and thank thee for all the spiritual mercies that thou hast showered upon us and dost continue to do, even in thy patience and long-suffering with the sons of men. We're glad to of temporal mercies granted and of the favourable weather for these moments we have, we have gathered. We give to thee our unfeigned thanks and pray for enduring mercies just now as we travel our separate ways, praying 
for a moment for all who mourn today and uh, the grief uh, that fills hearts uh, at great loss. Oh God, draw near and succor is our prayer, along with all our other requests. For we make them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much again. We trust that God will bless all for coming.